This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, I usually try to start us out with some kind of sports story or analogy, but this week we're going to start out with a story from my orthodontist. Great. I love the dentist. Even when they have the fancier practice of being an orthodontist, still the dentist and It's one of my least favorite places to go. It is my least favorite place to go. But the orthodontist, for some reason, isn't quite as bad as as the dentist because they're just kind of whatever. They do the torture stuff at home and not in the office. Yeah, the tightening of the wires and making things hurt. And you're like, why does that hurt? Why am I hurting three days later? And you realize that, oh. That's right. He tightened up or she tightened up the bolt in my mouth or the wire in my mouth. It was, yeah. You're bringing up a lot of bad memories in my teenage years just by bringing this subject up. (laughs) So anyway, I put a new aligner in and all of a sudden I started getting headaches. My head's been hurting. My neck is absolutely killing me. My jaw was hurting. Like something's not right here. And so I, I called my orthodontist and Brittany, bless her heart, answered the phone and I explained my the challenge I was having. And she said, well, I don't really know. I think maybe you should call an oral surgeon. And I paused for a minute and I'm like, well, you know, this is a challenge that's happened since I've changed out my aligners. And I don't think we're ready for oral surgery yet. I I just want to know, is it normal for the body to have this kind of response? And she goes, well, I guess you could call your dentist. I'm like, well, it's not really a dental challenge. And so I I finally just told Brittany to have a fantastic day and hung up and, you know, I knew I would call back later. And then I got to thinking about it and I thought, my first thought was, this is not how my orthodontist would want one of his customer-facing employees to treat a customer. Whether she needs education or or what whatever. I know this isn't right. I know this isn't what my doctor would want. And then I got to thinking about it at the next level of I hear from agents all the time saying, I just wish my employees thought like me. You know, at least Brittany didn't say, well, you know, Miss Tanya, you are of that age. That's the one that that I got not Mm. too long ago, not from the dentist or orthodontist, just from another healthcare provider. I get that at the eye doctor's office. She kept saying, now that you're 50, Mm. and I'm going, I am nowhere near 50. You're doing your math wrong. Anyway. Yeah, the new politically correct phrase, I guess, at this point is you're of that age. I'm hearing that more often. Like, I guess it's just this open-ended thing. What does that mean? Like, does that mean I'm of that age? So why would Brittany, why would she act like that? That's my first question. Like, why would she say that? Why wouldn't she have empathy? Why wouldn't she try to guide you or or even take you down a different path or maybe to check with someone? Because that's what we would want as an owner, right? Because you're pretty sure that your orthodontist would not have had the same exact conversation with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100% sure. Yes. And we hear this a lot. I used to be this guy. I wish my people would think like me. I wish they would think like an owner. Then I look around and I look at the equity in the company and I'm like, yeah, they're not owners. And I had this tipping point one day where it's like, okay, wait a minute. They're not going to think like me. They're not going to think like an owner because they're not an owner. Brittany is not going to think like your orthodontist because she's not your orthodontist. And so where's the gap? 
where do we go? When we've reached the point in our agencies where we, we've grown and we, we're hiring people and we have employees, I spent many years in what I would call a live lab environment with our agency kind of working through these things and being frustrated with an ownership mindset and was very fortunate that I had a lot of people around me that were leadership level people who did think more like me. And then I had other folks that were more customer facing frontline folks that didn't necessarily think like me or these other couple of people. And we would just stay in this constant state of frustration. The problem right now is that if you don't have that conversation with your orthodontist, the orthodontist is never going to know Brittany's never going to get corrected. I think we're so nice in society and, and not on social media, whole nother discussion, but face to face, we're not nice on social media. Face to face or on the phone, we're really nice people for the most part. Most people I see are very nice. And then they're just, they don't want to get Brittany in trouble. You don't want to get Brittany in trouble. So, so you don't say anything. And it just keeps happening. It just keeps perpetuating itself. And so your orthodontist doesn't even know he's got a problem. But one of his patients has this pain and this uncomfortableness and this terrible interaction with his frontline person. And he's not going to know unless you do the hard thing and tell him. You know, people that know me well know that I will very kindly tell the orthodontist, hey, look, I think you've got a challenge because I work with too many people that are trying to grow their businesses and trying to be better. And so I am that person that would say, I don't want her to get in trouble. I'm not trying to cause a challenge, but I wanted to let you know this is how your business was represented and go forward. But so many people don't do that. They go to social media or they take their business elsewhere, which you really can't do in the midst of orthodontia, but in other types of business you can do. So what are we going to do about it? From an owner standpoint, this is, I guess, my perspective. This is what I maybe preach. Maybe I over preach it, come across as a little preachy on this, but this is the very reason for having a set of core values. Most people to me think that having core values means that it's going to guide them. It's going to guide the business. It's This is how we think about things. This is how we view things. And, and by we, I mean me. But really, the real point of core values is to take that owner and encapsulate that owner's mindset and train and push out to that frontline employee, that producer, that account manager to not necessarily think like you as an owner, but to respond like you. And to me, that is the whole point of core values. I thought core values were a marketing tool that you use to tell people what you believe. That's not what they are? That is not what they are. That's not why you hire the marketing people to come in and write these really fancy core values using words you don't even know what they mean? No. That is the way a lot of corporations and a lot of big businesses do. That is the way they do it. That is what they do. It is not a marketing gimmick. It is a mechanism to help people do what you would do when you're not there. Help people respond the way you would respond when you're not there. Because, hey, when it's a couple of people, when it's two or three people, back when our organization was five employees and we were all in less than a thousand square feet and we could all hear each other on all the conversations, it was really, really easy. I can hear everything unless I'm gone that day, unless I'm on vacation, unless I'm out sick or whatever. I know what everybody said. They know what I I said, it's really easy. 
people kind of understand, hey, I heard Shane talking about this and now I'm talking about this and I'm going to I'm going to remember what he said. And so it kind of naturally happens and people kind of gravitate the more they're around each other. They tend to gravitate towards thinking like each other. And so when you're in that type of environment, it's easy. But now we have agencies that are decentralized. We have folks that are working remotely. We have agents that none of their people are in the same place at any one time unless they come together for a meetup or meetings or whatever. We have multi-location agencies. We have all kinds of things going where you can't hear all the conversations. As an agency owner, you have to have a mechanism to say to your people, hey, this is the way I make decisions. This is what I would do if situation occurs. You can't set all the list of questions out in front of a CSR account manager and say, hey, if somebody asks this question, all the possibilities can't be put on a document. And then the person have to figure out, okay, if they say this, if they're upset about their bill, I answer this way. No, you can't do that. That's robotic. You have to have something that explains very clearly, very simply, this is what I should do in their own terms, right? In their own words. Like, I don't want you, Tanya, to respond robotically as if I'm speaking the words through you. What I want you to do is I want you to take the situation, the challenge, and I want you to respond in your words and with your emotion and in your makeup of things, but I want you to do it through honesty wins, make it personal, serve others, like our core values, right? That's the whole point of why core values are so critical. It's not to create robots. It's actually to do the very opposite of that. It's to not be robotic, but be personal, be who you are, but respond to customers in that challenging time in a way that that owner would have responded. So why can't we expect an employee to think like an owner? Because they're not an owner. Because they don't have the same risk of investment. Let me catch myself on this. Some might have some sweat equity. Some might have been there since day one. You're going to find over the course of time, they actually do think closer to the owner. That's where your leadership folks, that's where your future managers are going to come from. And you might even reach a point, some agents, you know, reach a point where they want to allow people to either phantom stock or some mechanism of of equity in the future that may happen for them. But most will never think like an owner naturally because they're not an owner. They don't have that emotional investment. They're not leaving the office thinking about necessarily how to grow the business. They're not leaving the office thinking about the problems that they're facing. They're just leaving work and going and doing life and coming back to work the next day and doing their jobs. Repeat. I think that we sit here and go, I just wish they would think like me. I just wish they would think like an owner and we need to stop doing that. They're not going to do that. That's not the answer is to hope and wish. And here's the thing, having employees that come to work at eight o'clock in the morning and go to lunch for an hour and leave at five o'clock and they have their work life and they have their home life is actually fantastic. We need to have people in our businesses that are able to leave and do other things and be fresh when they come back in at eight o'clock in the morning. If everybody thought exactly the same and was thinking about the business 24-7, there would be a level of exhaustion within the business that is not sustainable long term. We need our employees that think like employees. We do. It's also a really good example for owners to kind of pay attention to that. Maybe they could help 
with the work-life balance that the owner needs, that the ownership needs to see. What I really think about is, did they come to work? Did they give the full effort? That's way more important than did they think like the owner. I'm looking for, when I got you, I got you. When you're in work mode, I want all of you, or as much of you as I can get with the reality of life, the world today. You know, my my teenager is texting me, my wife or my husband is needing something. I mean, there's things that happen throughout the work day. But when you're at work, I would rather have you 100% instead of having you 50% during the day and 30% after hours. I don't think there's as much productivity there when I think through my lens. I would rather get all of you while we're working on something than half of you during that time. You know, I saw a meme this week that was so true that when we were younger, we would get out of school and we would go home. We would call our moms. We would call the receptionist at our mom's office, ask to speak to our mom, sit on hold. She would get on the phone to ask if we could have a popsicle. And and I think about it now, and life is nothing like that. But is that not true? I mean, like, did you not call your mom to find out after school if you could have a popsicle or macaroni and cheese or whatever it was? Yeah. I don't know why we asked for that. Like, why can, why do we need to ask to have a popsicle, right? They were in the freezer. And this was a funny thing. It was okay to eat a bowl of cereal. It was not okay to eat a popsicle without permission. I don't understand that one. Now, you're going to have some employees that have more of an ownership mindset. Shane, I think sometimes in meetings, there will be times that Holly or I or Tara or somebody, I I think there's even a time when we're more concerned about protecting the company than you are. Like, I've seen that happen. I think, you know, you're long-term people. I think that people in your leadership role, I, I think it's okay to expect those people to have a different mindset than people that are that are newer to the company or, or sometimes a, a customer facing CSR position or an account manager position. People in different roles within the company have, have different mindsets for obvious reasons. That's why they're in different roles. I know for a fact that there are quite a bit of people in, I guess, my employment, our employment that worry about things more than I do. And I think that, number one, that didn't just happen overnight. That wasn't necessarily an automatic thing. I'm a calculated risk taker. I'm going to calculate it out. But then if it makes sense, I'm going to think about doing it. I'm going to do this. If I can see the return. So that's why I use the word calculated risk taker. I'm not like a thrill junkie, right? I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I'm not a roller coaster guy. I'm, I'm not a big bungee jumping guy. I'm a calculated risk thing, right? But there are people, to your point, long-term leadership people that may sound or even have more care about some decision than I do, which is an incredible place to be as an as an owner, as a leader of a company, just, just straight up. Just that's how blessed I am. That's where you want to get to because what that is a result of, of me understanding who I was first and then surrounding myself over time with people who didn't necessarily think like I did. So let's get back to the point here. Do we always want people surrounding us that think like we do? My contention is no. I do not. I want people who think like my weaknesses, think about things that are stronger in my weak areas, who would say, now, wait a minute, are you sure we want to do that? Because if we do that, this, this, and this may happen. And now I have something to calculate against. And I get to go, hmm, you're right, maybe, but you know what? The chances of that happening are pretty slim. Let's go. And so what it did is it created a process that makes us stronger. 
not because they are thinking like owners, but because they are not thinking like me. So I think we have to make that distinction. What does think like an owner even mean? You may lose your job if the company goes belly up, but you don't lose your entire retirement because most of our agency owners retirement biggest asset is tied up in their agencies so you can't equate those two things you can't think that the employee is going to always think the way the owner does but you do want to surround yourself with people who don't necessarily think like you do but that have the same core values yes. share those core values yes i mean it's okay to have differing views it's okay to to have some different thoughts there core values being our thing we can always go back to but what does honesty wins that's one of our core values what does honesty wins say about this challenge what does make it personal say about this challenge and you filter it you you run it through the strainer of your core values and you see what comes out the other side my mother is a retired attorney and we had a receptionist years and years ago that a u.s attorney had called her office to ask her a question and she was taking a message and he says well my first name is bob and that is spelled b-o-b And her response to him was, sir, Miss Kathy's not going to hire somebody that's not smart enough to spell Bob. (laughs) Now, is that necessarily probably what she would have wanted her receptionist to say to, to the U.S. attorney? Probably not. But it was her personality. And he thought it was absolutely hysterical. And they actually developed this relationship. And he developed a relationship with our office in a different way because our receptionist, who was in college, she was studying to be a teacher, but she told him that Miss Kathy was not going to hire somebody that wasn't smart enough to spell Bob. And it, it changed a dynamic with the U.S. attorney in mom's law office. And so I think that kind of is, is what you're saying is you want people that think differently. You want these different attitudes, but it all comes back to it was said as a joke. It wasn't said in a harmful way. I mean, it it fit within the core values of mom's law office. Yeah, because the key thing in that story is, and this is the key word that we haven't said yet, that all of this comes down to is authenticity. That secretary in your in your mom's law office was being who she was, right? You don't want to create robots out of your people. I want authenticity. I want them to be who they are. I just want them to be who they are through the lens of core values. And hopefully those two things are aligned because you hired through the lens of your core values. And if you hired those folks through core values, then you can tell that person, just be yourself. And then you get this dynamic thing that happens between one attorney's secretary and a U.S. attorney. Absolutely, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think that's why it works so well, because you get authenticity out of that. If you're trying to create being authentic, it's not authentic. It's got to be authentic because it's authentic. It's got to be natural for it to be authentic. And so I, I think we're on down this slippery slope in society. I'm hearing more talk about being authentic. And it's like, okay, I need to be trained to be authentic. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's the second dumbest thing I've ever heard. The first dumbest thing is that we can pay for ethics. So we have to go to ethics training. Okay, if you have to go to ethics training and you have to pay to get ethics, here's your sign that that's not good. The second thing is train me how to be more authentic. 
that's where the story of my dad coaching little dribblers basketball and they had the timeout and he was coaching my little brother's team and this is like nine and ten year old boys and they're down to this last second play and they're drawing this play up and they're on offense and he lines everything up on the board and when they break the huddle all the young boys run out on the court to get into their places and run this play and this one little boy tugs on my dad's leg and says Mr. Rex, where do you want me to go? My dad just puts his arm around the little boy and says, you know, why don't you come over here and sit with me for a minute? And, you know, it's like, you know, come over here and sit with me on the bench for a minute and let's just watch what happens. Because he just went through this entire elaborate scheme. And then once they broke the huddle, the little boy was like, okay, now where do I go? And so, um, yeah, that's a, that's one of those stories where you just want to take that individual that says, hey, can you train me on some authenticity? Yeah. Why don't you come over here and sit, sit on the bench with me for a little bit and let's watch the other players. That's the immediate mindset that I go because I, I need to do a little more work over here if you're asking me to train you on authenticity. So 10 minute warning, what are our takeaways from today? Employees are not going to think like owners unless you make them owners. If you don't want to dilute your equity and, and add everybody to being owners, then you got to think differently. You got to understand this as an owner, as an agency owner. The answer is that we don't want them to think like owners. We want them to respond like you. As the owner, we want you to think about your core values and we want you to translate those core values into some simple form so that your employees will know how you would respond in certain situations and so that they can authentically, through their own natural abilities respond in that way. To me, that is key here. Stop worrying about employees thinking like owners because that's not going to happen. So I'm going to leave us with this thought from Steve Young. The principle is competing against yourself. It's about self-improvement, about being better than who you were the day before. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.